Welcome to the Straight Talk Physio Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Andrew Junak and Dr. Craig Giambattista. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the key differences between dizziness and vertigo, the common types of vertigo that physical therapists are able to manage, types of vertigo that physical therapists do not do a great job at managing, how dizziness and vertigo are diagnosed, and what to expect when undergoing treatment for vertigo in the clinic. Um, I know this is one of those topics that's pretty near and dear to us. We've both worked in settings where we've seen lots and lots of uh, patients who are struggling with dizziness and vertigo. Um, so we hope to teach you guys some really good information today, um, give you guys some good background as to what it is that we're treating, some of the key diagnoses that you know we do very well with treating, and some of these very, very quickly, and then other diagnoses that we're actually looking a little bit more to just manage and keep people having a good quality of life and being able to move forward without the, the dizziness, vertigo, or off balance uh, impacting their life as much as it has been. So that being said, Craig, you want to start us off and, off and tell us a little bit about how common dizziness and vertigo are, and then also maybe even giving us a little bit of a background on what the difference between dizziness and vertigo is, because I know that's commonly a big stuck point uh, for a lot of patients when they're describing this either their primary care or their physical therapist. Yeah, absolutely. So dizziness, super common. Uh, so dizziness, including vertigo, affects uh, over 20% of adults yearly in a large population-based study, kind of the, the numbers that we have here. And vestibular vertigo accounts for about a quarter of all dizziness complaints. So 20%, that's, that's a pretty good chunk. So I'm willing to bet that some of our listeners have, you know, experienced this in some way, shape, or form at one point in their life. So hopefully we can offer some good information in today's podcast. And you said annually, right? So that's 20% of adults every year. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's a lot of people. A whole bunch of people. But good news is, you know, we can absolutely help with this stuff. Uh, but before we even get started, one of my big things is defining or just kind of talking about the difference between dizziness and vertigo. Because a lot of times patients and even some healthcare providers, they think they'll use those terms interchangeably when that's not really correct. So dizziness, I, I kind of describe as like the big umbrella term that can describe any range of sensations um, that just make you feel not quite right. So some examples might be like faint or woozy or weak or unsteady, lightheaded, uh, you know, like I've heard like the feeling of being a little drunk or like you're, you're on a boat that's rocking. You know, I think that, uh, that it's just a big umbrella term. So dizziness is one of those things that if you're dizzy, you know, you're dizzy, but if someone asks you to describe that dizziness, it's hard to do. So it's like a very, a mentally challenging kind of diagnosis and symptom in my mind. Um, so vertigo is something that can fit under the dizziness umbrella because it can describe some of those symptoms we talked about. Uh, but vertigo is, it's a, it's a condition. Uh, it's not really a condition. It's more of a sensation. It's a specific way to describe the symptom of you feeling like you're steady and the room is spinning around you or your environment is spinning around you or that you are spinning and the environment around you is being still. So that's like a very specific thing. Dizziness is all over the board. It can mean anything you want it to be, whereas vertigo is specifically that spinning sensation. So why am I harping so much on it? It helps your healthcare provider, physical therapist, physician, whoever ENT that you're seeing, you know, vertigo happens for a special reason. And if you can be a little more specific and say, yep, this is definitely vertigo, or you know what, no, I don't think it's vertigo. That can help us rule some things in and it can help uh, rule some things out. So 
for all our listeners out there, um, you know, I had the luxury of working with Andy Belts. So shout out Andy Belts, great vestibular therapist and, you know, in Canton, Ohio. And he's been doing this for years and years and years. And he would make a, he had a running list of, he would ask patients, describe what your dizziness feels like. And he recorded it all. And he has like 300 unique different descriptors. So people have trouble, you know, describing dizziness, but they know they're dizzy. So I think it's a super interesting thing. So um, I don't know if you have anything to add there, Drew, or, you know, just moving on after we know what these symptoms are. Um, we always like to talk about red flags and, you know, are there any times that you would see a patient and say, you know what, this might actually be a serious problem. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say it's more on the rare side. I have seen a, a handful of more serious problems in the clinic. Um, and again, these are, these are very, very rare. Most of the time, dizziness in and of itself is not a serious problem. But in the cases that it can be, uh, something called a cerebellar stroke could be what's happening, uh, where oftentimes you'll find a patient just continues to veer to one side um, and they continue to fall and fall and fall. Um, this is just a very different type of dizziness. It's People will more so describe that as like an off balance rather than kind of your typical spinning. It's like something is just pulling them in a specific direction. Um, and usually the balance system is very, very affected here. Again, this is very, very rare, um, but it is something that can happen. Uh, vertebral artery dissection is another one. Uh, we have these arteries in our neck. The arteries go all the way and pass through some of the vertebrae, and then they connect up in the brain. Uh, sometimes one of these arteries can start to wear away or there can be some sort of like buildup within the artery, like plaque buildup. Uh, the artery becomes compromised and then it can start to basically dissect or cut open. Um, this can lead to some hemorrhaging in that area and it can cause some dizziness, uh, some different symptoms in the face, um, different types of headaches. So there's a lot that can happen in terms of vertebral artery dissection. Uh, and then also uh, brain tumors is another thing, you know, not to freak anybody out. You know, the first thing that people sometimes will think like if they're dizzy, that something's wrong with their brain. Believe it or not, most of the time, this is not the case. Um, but there are patients who, you know, are diagnosed with brain tumors where dizziness is one of the symptoms among many, many other things. Uh, but, you know, those are some of the rare things. Most of the time, uh, dizziness is not serious whatsoever. And by not serious, you can have things called a mal de debarkment, for example, where someone is maybe on a cruise ship and they go for a nice, you know, two, three week, two, three week long cruise. And when they get back, they still feel like they're on a ship. Uh, they, even though they're on solid ground and they're lo no longer on the cruise ship, they still feel wobbly off balance. And this can linger for a while. Um, there's some problems that I know you're going to talk about here momentarily, Craig, uh, within the inner ear that can cause dizziness. Uh, as we had talked about, the brain can also cause dizziness, but it doesn't necessarily have to be due to a brain tumor. Um, you can have a concussion or have some kind of whiplash after a motor vehicle accident. Uh, vision problems. So there's a number of different things. So Craig, do you want to jump in and talk a little bit more about some of the common types of dizziness that we treat? I know you, since you've done a lot of work with this population, you have lots of different examples. So you want to share some of that with our listeners here? Yeah, definitely. And you know, before I get started, there are so many reasons that someone can become dizzy. So this is not like an exhaustive list by any means. Um, but this is some stuff that we'll commonly see in the clinic. Um, and just kind of the way we use to describe it. Um, 
you know, and before I get going here, just to kind of backpedal on the, you know, is vertigo or is dizziness uh, serious? I think it highlights the importance of seeing someone that's like experienced with this. And if you do have dizziness or you do have vertigo, you know, it's a serious symptom and it's, it's totally okay if you feel like it's an emergency room thing to go or contact your healthcare provider. Just make sure you're finding someone that, you know, works with this kind of stuff because those needle in the haystack, those really small percentage things that we talked about, um, you know, a couple simple tests can rule that stuff in or out. So just make sure you're, you know, you're seeing the right people. But, you know, moving on, what in the physical therapy world are we commonly seeing? So when a patient sits in front of me, the first thing they always tell me is I'm dizzy, but how are you going to help me? You know, like you do exercise. So what what can you do for me? So the, the spiel I typically tend to give is dizziness or vertigo or a sensation of balance or whatever you want to call it is kind of the uh, the brain and it's like outside components and how everything is integrated. So the way I like to think of it is this. So you have your brain and your spinal cord. Let's call that like the central processing unit. So it's going to get a bunch of information from your outside systems. It's going to take that information in and then it's going to send out a signal of what you feel. So something can be wrong with the central processor. Um, and in those cases, that's kind of like after you, let's say you had a stroke and now you're stable, but you have some lingering dizziness, very common. Or you get a concussion, let's say from like a motor vehicle accident, after you become medically stable, you might have some lingering problems there. So something has damaged our central processor. So all the information that it's getting in, it's not really reading a good message because the processor isn't working so hot. So there are absolutely some strategies to fix that. And if you're a listener with some of that stuff going on, hopefully, you know, there should be a lot of medical providers working with you. Should be PT, should be physician, you know, like hopefully, you know, we're not the first person you're seeing after something like this happens, but, but it is something common. A little more common, I would say, is our, our three big outside systems outside of the brain that are responsible for giving the brain all of its incoming information. So those three things are our eyes. Um, so vision coming in, um, there are, are two vestibular organs. So right behind each ear, um, two little guys that when we move our head side to side or up and down, or when we move forward or backward, um, they kind of provide some information to the brain where our head and neck is uh, in space and kind of what sort of movements it's doing. So second big thing. And then number three is our body is kind of filled with these uh, proprioceptive uh, inputs. And I kind of describe them as like a GPS and a speedometer. So what they do is they kind of tell the body how fast we're moving and where we're moving. So we have them everywhere. We have them in our feet and our hands, arms, legs, our back, uh, you kind of name it. Um, we have a huge amount in our upper neck and we have a lot in our feet. So our brain kind of relies on a lot of those pieces of information just to kind of know where it is in space. So if there's anything wrong with any of those three components, it can also read as like a balance problem or a dizziness problem. So a couple examples would be, let's, we'll backpedal. So vision problems, let's say you haven't had glasses and you, your vision's bad and you haven't, you know, you haven't had a new set of eyeglasses in the past 10 years. If you're getting weird vision information because you can't see that, you know, might read as dizziness to the brain. So we can, uh, you know, in that case, a PT might say, well, maybe let's go back to your, uh, you know, your optometrist and see what's going on there. Or maybe you wear bifocals which are meant to, you know, when you use the bottom lens of the bifocal, it's meant to see up close, like reading a book, for example. So if you're wearing your bifocals and you're walking and you're staring at the floor, your brain is getting a blurry image from the bifocal, you feel dizzy. Um, 
as far as the uh, vestibular organs are concerned, they're just like any other little organ in our body. They could be damaged by like a viral or uh, bacterial infection. They could just become weak over time. Or you can suffer the, the super famous crystal problem, which is when you move your head one way, you get a true vertigo sense of spinning. Um, that's one of our vestibular organ problems, which, you know, we can absolutely help in PT. And we'll, we'll get on to that as we talk about more of our treatment strategies. And then finally, our, our GPS and speedometer problems. So let's say maybe you have a stiff neck or you have peripheral neuropathy and you can't feel your feet or you got in a car accident and you, you kind of jarred your head side to side. As you can imagine, the GPS and speedometer isn't working quite right. It's kind of like the GPS takes you to the right street, but you're like three houses down or the speedometer reads like 50 miles an hour on the speed, you know, on the speedometer, but you're actually going 80. So it's like your brain is getting information, but maybe it's not quite as accurate as it once was. So now you get this sensation of dizziness or vertigo. Um, there's a couple other things that, you know, we'll tend to see that are a little less common. Um, like some people uh, can become motion sensitive. So if me, like if I sit in the backseat of a car and if I read a book, I get dizzy. Um, Instantly. Some people go on a roller coaster and they get off dizzy or like you, you kind of mentioned when you are on a cruise ship and you get off, you get dizzy. And like, that's just kind of a problem with all three of those systems and the brain itself. It's just getting so much information. It can't quite calibrate. So it reads out as a little bit of dizziness or uh, imbalance. So, or if, if you've kind of listened to our, you know, our podcast in the past, we talk a lot about chronic pain and like a highly sensitive nervous system you know, our three dizziness and balance systems are part of the nervous system. So as you can imagine, if your nervous system is kind of on high alert, you got a history of chronic pain. If you um, tend to be really like uh, sensitive to allergies or sounds or lights, or if you get headaches or if you get migraines, you know, not that we're going to sit here and, and diagnose this and delve deep into the nervous system, but it's not uncommon for your body to read normal movement as like a high alert for dizziness. So, um, those I would say, at least on the PT end, uh, what we're pretty darn good at fixing. Um, and when I tend to see people, I tend to put them in this category. I kind of say, hey, maybe we got an ear problem, or maybe we got an eye problem, maybe we got a central problem. You might come in with this laundry list of diagnoses, but more often than not, that diagnosis that you have is gonna fit into one of our categories, and that's kind of how we're gonna base our treatment. So I don't know if you, you, you know, do anything else there, Drew, or how you educate patients on it, or what's your kind of approach to this, you know, dizziness that you feel PT can, can help fix? Yeah, I think for me, the, the first thing is just trying to identify whether or not it's something that I can manage, right? You know, if this is more related to something what we call like a central problem, um, that, and they haven't been evaluated, then I know for sure this is something that needs to be further evaluated by another provider first. Um, if I know this is related to one of those three balance systems, that you mentioned, um, your proprioceptive awareness, your vision, your inner ear. If it's related to any of those, then I know for sure which direction I need to go to help get that patient the results that they need. And so I'm just kind of, again, reiterating a lot of, using a lot of the different things that you had mentioned. You know, if it's a GPS problem, you know, knowing that they can't, their brain isn't coordinating with those other vestibular systems to provide the right output. So because of that, their input is all mixed up and then they get this dizziness sensation. So kind of going through and explaining why they're experiencing what they're experiencing, um, you know, really tends to make a huge difference. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. Kind of piggybacking off that or just expanding on that. 
do you ever see patients to where you think that maybe physical therapy isn't the right option? And, you know, and then maybe it becomes our job to say, well, if we can't exactly help you, here's what you can look into. Is there, you know, you have any background in that? Yeah. So I would say that most of the time I spend so, I probably spend maybe 20 to 30 minutes talking to these folks before I even do an assessment. Uh, and the reason being is because dizziness can be caused by so many different things. And then you're also trying to tease out whether or not you're looking at dizziness or, or a patient's actually experiencing vertigo. So, you know, trying to tease out what's actually going on. So I would say some of the instances that we're not so good at treating. Um, one of the more common ones that I do see is medication side effects. So the side effects of certain medications uh, do cause some dizziness. And so going through the patient's medication list with them uh, and making sure that one of those side effects is not dizziness and they're starting to see, you know, we're starting to figure out timing of their dizziness. How long does it take for them to become dizzy after they've taken their medication? Um, those are obviously things that I, I can't really do much about. So I'm referring them back to their primary care uh, physician or their neurologist, basically whoever prescribed them that medication, that's who I'm sending them back to. Uh, in terms of like central pathology, we kind of touched on that. Tumors, um, strokes that have not already been identified, things like that. If I'm the first person catching them, I'm immediately getting them out of my office into more advanced uh, medical personnel for them to further assess and uh, get that under control. Uh, chronic neurodegenerative disorders. So things like uh, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, where balance in the, the, that central processing unit can really be more affected and patients tend to have a lot more troubles being able to walk uh, and stay steady while they're walking. Uh, this, these are some of those things where we do treat these conditions, but we're think of it more so as managing the condition rather than treating it. These patients will never have perfect balance, but what we're trying to do with them is make them as safe as they possibly can in their daily life so their risk for falls are much less so we're doing more ongoing management with these folks rather than actually treating Parkinson's or treating MS. Um, we're just helping them get on a lot safer and moving a lot more better. Um, vision disorders. That's another thing that I wouldn't say that we're really skilled at treating. If I notice somebody has a true vision disorder, like maybe needs prescription glasses or, um, you know, is reporting more onset of blurred vision just over time, or they're finding that they can't see things as clearly as normal, I'm referring them over to an optometrist or an ophthalmologist uh, to have some of that more further assessed. You know, we can educate on the use of bifocals when walking um, and some of those types of things, but if a patient hasn't even been prescribed those sorts of things, my first step is send them to an optometrist. Um, you know, if they've had a concussion, even a neuro optometrist, one that specializes in different types of vision therapy is someone that I've referred out to in the past. Um, if that's something that was needed. Another common thing that I tend to find, uh, especially referrals is orthostatic hypotension. So this is that common feeling that patients will get when they go from laying down to maybe standing up. And they might get this moment of lightheadedness or wooziness or this description of an off feeling. It's not really a vertigo. So it's not a true spinning that they'll experience. It's just this feeling of, whoa, I feel off and I need to stand here for a second before I continue to move. So I see that pretty frequently, um, especially when I worked at the hospital. I get a lot of uh, scripts that would say this person has BPPV 
um, or the crystal problem in the inner ear. However, they're actually experiencing this, this lightheaded feeling when they change positions. And this could be any position really that goes from laying down. It could be going laying down to sitting up. It could be going from sitting to standing. Um, and then it has different implications depending on how bad it is. But what's happening there is the blood pressure, instead of it saying stable from that position change, the blood pressure will actually drop. And then the patient will start to feel those symptoms momentarily, and then they can continue on. So that's something we typically don't manage. Uh, that can be secondary to med medications. So that can be a referral back to the primary care, whoever prescribed a specific medication for them. A uh, patient may require some compression stockings uh, to help with some basically enhance that blood flow. Um, so it's typically not something that we keep people in the clinic for. If I pick it up, I'm sending that patient out. Peripheral neuropathy is another one that I would say that uh, we don't do a very good job at treating. We can have some slight impacts on balance, but as far as long-term impact, it's not very good. There's other things that need to be assessed with that. Usually there's a podiatrist or uh, some foot specialist involved because that proprioceptive system or how that patient feels their foot connecting with the ground, that sensation or that input is very, very off um, due to the damage to the nerve or the progressive damage to the nerves. So usually that's something that's also got other providers involved as well, and we do our best to manage as best we can. Uh, Meniere's disease is another one where typically people will start to experience this dizziness sensation. It's very, very constant. Um, it can be pretty debilitating too. Once the dizziness goes away, they might feel a ringing in their ears, or they might even end up with hearing loss. So this is something we try to target very quickly so that the proper medication can be provided. Um, but we are not very good at getting rid of that dizziness. It's usually a somewhat episodic to where it will kind of run its course. Um, and then what we're treating is what's left over from it. So if the patient has maybe some neck pain or headaches left over from it, or they're feeling still feeling off balance after the, the big episode is over, those are some of the things that we may manage. Um, also cardiac, if somebody's having any sort of cardiac issues, referring them out to a cardiologist um, or back to their primary care for further assessment because cardiac issues can lead to some different types of dizziness. Um, so, I mean, overall, the things that we use to make living better and help patients adapt is a combination of fall prevention and safety um, for these people who have some of these more uh, chronic neurodegenerative disorders. Uh, we can help with home and work setup for people who are especially having to work from home, like during these times and they're experiencing dizziness, maybe looking at their computer um, or spending lots of time on the screen and that's aggravating their symptoms. Different types of adaptive equipment for those people who are a little bit more at risk for falls, fitting them with walker, cane, you know, different types of things to help them move about their environment a lot more safely. And then lastly, um, again, managing those secondary symptoms, uh, the neck pain, shoulder pain, headaches, jaw pain, some of the other things that come along with this, uh, especially after traumatic incidents, we're spending a lot of time managing those. So Craig, do you have anything you want to add to that? I know that was quite a long list, but there's always more. There's always more. Yeah, I would agree. And I think it just, again, kind of highlights the, you know, what can be a, like a really big diagnostic challenge because we just listed off a whole laundry list of things that, you know, can make a patient dizzy. So if you, if you are diagnosed and you feel like 
you know, uh, you're seeing a bunch of different people or you're trying a bunch of different treatments and maybe something's successful, maybe something isn't, you know, as much successful. Just, you can, just by listening to this, hopefully appreciate the difficulty that kind of comes with this sort of stuff. So I would say, try not to get frustrated and just make sure you're seeing someone that is, you know, that's kind of well-versed with this dizziness stuff. Um, and a good PT is on that list because our, one of our first jobs, and we're going to talk about this just in a second with, with treatment is our number one question is, is, is this something we think we can help you with? Yes. Okay. We'll keep you here and work on it. No. Well, maybe this would be the next best person in line to see. Yep. Absolutely. So that being said, you want to tell us how we diagnose a dizziness problem in the clinic? Some of the different things that we do? Absolutely. I think the first thing, and we say this with every condition we talk about, and we'll keep saying it because it's so important, is subjective history is key. Like we talked about earlier, there are many descriptors of dizziness, but there are some that uh, you know can lead us down a different pathway. Like we talked about true vertigo. If you have true vertigo, that might kind of you know, make me go down a different path than if you came in and said, well, I'm just dizzy. You know, I feel a little lightheaded. It's, it's two kind of different things. So I think first and foremost is taking a good subjective history. So learning about your, you know, I call them like dizzy descriptors um, and what their triggers are, how often it's happening. And then looking at all the other medical stuff, you know, what kind of medications are you taking? What surgeries have you had? Has this happened in the past? You know, just your, your, the, if you see a PT that's been doing this for a while, you might notice that you're doing a lot of talking right off the bat. So uh, I think that tends to be a huge part of the, the diagnosing process for this. And then we kind of move on to our objective exam. And I think in this case, it can be, you know, really helpful. Because like I talked about earlier, in, in my mind, or the way that I like to do it, or I'll tell patients is we're going to find out, you know, number one, can I help you today? And then number two, are we going to call it a central process, a central processing problem? Are we going to call it an ear problem, an eye problem, or a GPS and speedometer problem? Or do we think maybe a couple of those systems or all those systems are weak? Do we think you're motion sick or do we think you have a highly sensitive nervous system? So based off some various movements and testing positions, you know, you should be able to answer that question. So I think in this case, the, the objective part or the movement and position testing is, is really helpful. And I think that's something that I tend to rely on. But I would be remiss if we did not talk about the crystal problem in this specific section, because it's something that's so, so common. So mm -hmm. I see uh, many, many referrals for BPPV um, or vertigo, just straight vertigo as the diagnosis. And uh, the big thing with that is we can, we can cause that with certain positions, you know, more often than not. Of course, there's going to be some outliers there, but I would say 80 to 90% of the time, you know, if we do our good subjectives, you're going to say the right things. And if all the boxes are checked, I'll kind of explain, like, this seems like it might be an actual true vertigo problem. I'm sure you've heard of this crystal problem. I'm going to put you in some positions that might cause this true vertigo to happen. And if it does, you know, then we can fix it. And I think that that is like a sticky point for a lot of people because it's really common and they come in with this diagnosis, they've Googled it and they're like, oh, well, I tried these maneuvers at home and nothing happened. Or I heard you can fix this really quick, you know? And, you know, if, if they've been diagnosed by someone who's inexperienced with this and I do my exam and I'm like, you know what? I really doubt this is it. We're going to check for it anyways. It's really fast to check for it. And all that testing comes up negative. And then it becomes a conversation of like, well, you know, what do we actually think is going on? Right. Yeah. I think that's one of the, the trickier points because a lot of times providers, 
it's almost a guarantee. If you go to, if most people go to their general practitioner's office and they say, Hey, uh, I'm dizzy or I feel like the world's spinning. They're going to say, Oh yeah, I think you have BPPV. <laughs> so usually if they haven't run any other tests, that's kind of the diagnosis that they'll put on you. If they have run some tests like EKG and, you know, did some different tests to rule out the heart or cardiac issues, then they'll, and those all come up negative, then they'll still probably give you the diagnosis of vertigo or BPPV and then send you to a physical therapist. So it is super common for that to be um, the diagnosis. And what BPPV stands for is benign paroxysmal peripheral vertigo. And to kind of get into what that, I guess, what that crystal problem looks like is there's these tiny little crystals that sit in your ear. And what can happen is that they fall into one of those canals in that small little organ that's inside your inner ear. And if they fall into one of the canals, you will experience a dizziness sensation. And that dizziness sensation will usually last for anywhere from, you know, 15 seconds all the way up to two to five minutes. I mean, it can, there's a little bit of variation, but for the most part, it lasts less than a minute, I would say on average. Um, and it is very positional. You move a certain way, symptoms come on, symptoms go away within that time frame, And it's almost very, very, very predictable. So that's how we know from asking you a number of questions, exactly what it is that we need to do and whether or not this is the cause of the problem. So it gives us a lot of background information. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it sounds a little science fictiony when you first tell someone <laughs> that they have these crystals in their head and now they're not where they should be. So I'm going to put them back for you. You know, it almost sounds fake, but uh, definitely a very uh, kind of a very real thing. Yeah. Um, and it's something that can also get some quick results. So it's always helpful when, you know, you feel like that that's something you can do, which kind of leads us into, you know, what is our, what are our key treatments to get rid of dizziness for patients? And I think it depends on what our exam looks like. So if we're thinking it's this BPPV, then we can do these special positioning maneuvers, which we can do in the clinic, or we can, you know, teach you to do them at home. But if our exam doesn't lead to that, then those, you know, those positioning maneuvers aren't going to be helpful at all. Um, some other things that we tend to work on, and, uh, you know, I'm a big proponent of this, is something called habituation, which I would say is good for a lot of vestibular conditions. So even if it's a central problem or if, even if it's one of our three outside systems, um, it's just a way that we can teach you how to essentially recalibrate the system. So the brain is very good at fixing itself in these particular instances, but uh, long, like the, long, the short version of this is we're going to teach you how to make you dizzy in a very safe way because it's kind of, I describe it habituation as like, let's say you walk into a room and it smells really bad and the source of the smell is somewhere in the room you can't find it but if you stay in the room long enough you start to notice the smell less and it's not because the smell isn't there anymore the source of the smell is still in the room but you've just kind of gotten used to it um, and that kind of can happen in, in with dizziness is if you learn to make yourself dizzy uh, long enough for the right way then eventually your brain becomes used to it and it's better able to kind of filter and organize some of that feedback coming in so the tough part is patients, when they typically come in to see me, they say, this makes me dizzy, so I'm not going to do it, which totally makes sense. Like I, with, if I had no medical training, I would likely do the same thing. So one big part of dizziness treatment is giving some guidance on, you know, when is it safe to make you dizzy? When is it not safe? How dizzy should you make yourself? How often you should do it? You know, that I would say is, is a key component in the 
in the dizziness training. And we kind of do this for a lot of problems. And that could be any of the systems that we talked about. That could be if our central processor is not working great, that could be for after a stroke or after a car accident. Um, I, I would tend to say that it tends to be a pretty big component in a lot of uh, dizziness treatment. But there's also some other stuff that we like to do. So I don't know, Drew, do you ever get into any uh, like the VOR training or what would you do if you felt like someone had dizziness that was due to maybe neck pain? Yeah, so those are a little bit different. Uh, patients who have a VOR retraining or a VOR component. So what VOR stands for is vestibular ocular reflex. Um, so there's a reflex that acts between your brain and your eyes and your inner ear. So all these things coordinate and we can test that by having you move your head or we passively move your head in a rather quick way, but very short range of motion. And we kind of peer into your eyes. So a lot of our assessment, uh, which is kind of funny, is we spend quite a bit of time looking at your eyes because your eyes tell us the story of what's going on in many, many dizziness or vertigo type cases. So just by looking at your eyes and doing a couple different things, we can tell whether or not that reflex or the timing of that reflex is off on one side. And then we'll do different eye related and head and neck related exercises to help recalibrate that and get that to work a little bit better. Um, if somebody's having dizziness that is coming from the head, head or neck um, and it's related to pain, this is oftentimes called cervicogenic dizziness. Usually patients will describe this as like this off feeling or it's almost like an out of world feeling. Um, it can be constant, it can last for a while, it can come and go. Um, it's a pretty vague feeling, but usually the patient's also experiencing headaches and neck pain as well. So in that case, I'm spending more time treating the pain and then also doing things uh, called like graded exposure or graded activity. So we're finding some of the things that recreate your dizziness and we're very slowly putting you into those positions, much like Craig discussed with habituation. A lot of these terms can somewhat be used interchangeably when you're talking about the same topic. So treating different types of dizziness does require a different skill set. And some therapists are good at treating one type of dizziness, but not good at treating another type of dizziness. So we've been kind of blessed with our education and some of the, the mentors that we've had and the environments that we've worked in to be able to handle a lot of these different types of dizziness here. Um, and also, I think even more importantly, know when a patient isn't appropriate for physical therapy and to get them to the right person that can help them. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I think a valuable tool that I'll, I know both of us try to use in the clinic is kind of educating the patient on, you know, what box do they fit in? Because I think a lot of times they typically don't get that by the time they get to us. It might just be, you know, um, you see your physician or you see your ENT or neurologist or whatever, and it just turns into, okay, I'm dizzy. Uh, okay, well here, we might give you medication. Um, we might send you to physical therapy, you know, but the, sometimes the answer as to why it's going all on, you're going on can be kind of cloudy. So I think it can be valuable when I have a patient to sit down and say, well, this is the way I look at it. And I'm going to put you in a treatment box. You know, is it going to be, we need to work on your neck or we need to do these special positions or we need to work on your eye reflex or we need to work on your balance or we need to get you stronger or we need to 
put you through this habituation or re graded return to activity protocol. And I think once they hear that, they're like, oh, well, okay, you can maybe find out what's the best approach. And then, you know, it doesn't always work the first time. You might, you know, you can, someone might require two different approaches or switch between, you know, approach A or approach B, but at least just kind of knowing that like, you know, we can think of this in a way to say, based on your symptoms and based off the tests we do, we think that doing these specific movements, positions, interventions, et cetera, can be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a really great way to put it. You know, again, we don't want to put patients, you know, say, oh, this is your box. But at the same time, that's a very easy way to get the patient to understand what's going on and then to develop a, a sound treatment plan for these different types of issues. So Craig, now all that being said, there's all these different types of dizziness. We always do or like to do a segment where we talk about how long it takes to get better with different things. So obviously this one's a little bit more challenging because we have a huge spectrum of different things going on. So what is your take? Like, are there certain conditions that we can get better a lot quicker? Are there other ones that take longer? Um, are there some that don't get better and we're just kind of managing? Like, what, what does that picture look like? Right. And I think you were exactly right saying it, it varies. And I know we do say that a lot, but in, in this case, I think that we get a little more variance, but if we know the problem, we can be a little bit more specific. So BPPV, um, and I'll speak on average here, 90% of the time, you know, we can, that can, is something that can be resolved pretty quickly as long as you find out what's going on. And I'm talking like the one to three visit range somewhere in there, as long as you got a good handle on it. And that's our true vertigo crystal problems that we explained earlier. If we're more into the, uh, maybe there was a weakness of our central system or our three peripheral systems we talked about and they need to become a little stronger or maybe there was a viral attack or one of those symptoms got damaged or a nerve got damaged or something like that um, then that strengthening is going to take a little bit longer so typically i'll tell people to expect maybe around 12 weeks um, and that could be anywhere from seeing you know a little bit of improvement to complete resolution but i would say that tends to take time it's just like strengthening a muscle it's not going to happen overnight um these systems do you know take time and it's one of those just progressive as time goes on i feel a little bit better until all of a sudden you know no more dizziness um unfortunately there are some instances like we talked about earlier where there's some stuff that we're really not great at treating but we can provide regular maintenance and safety for some of our neurodegenerative disorders like MS or Parkinson's, that kind of stuff we can say, well, here's some home modifications we can make, or here's a good balance program to keep you as safe as possible for as long as possible. Um, so that kind of doesn't, it more turns into a regular maintenance versus this is how long it's gonna, you know, kind of take to get better. And as far as the you know, the outside stuff, things that we would refer to our other, you know, medical professional friends. Um, we're not really going to speak to that because, you know, that's a little bit uh, out of our scope. So I don't know if there's any other, you know, education you use, Drew, or any other, you know, timeframes you like to say as far as, you know, this, this symptom getting better uh, topic. No, I think, I think those are the key ones. Like if you're thinking about somebody who has a crystal problem and we know that's more structural and we reposition those crystals, put them where they're supposed to be, it makes sense that you can resolve that very quickly. Some of these other conditions, it's more dependent on how the patient responds. Um, it, it's the same way with, like you mentioned, strengthening muscle tissue. If you're trying to strengthen tissue, then you run into a situation where there's a time frame that is required in order to have that happen. So it's not going to happen overnight. It takes time, and we don't know how the other person's balance systems are going to react. So 
I'd say that's probably right on point with where I'd go with it, Craig. Now, given that everything being said, what are some of the key points for our viewers that you want to touch on before, you know, we end this episode? So the big ones for me with this episode are if you have dizzy symptoms, um, whether it be dizziness or if you feel like it's that special subset of dizziness, true vertigo, or pretty much anything else, it's essential you see someone who specializes in this kind of stuff or has some, some extra training in it. Um, so like I said, we talked about many reasons it could happen, many ways that PT can help, or maybe some conditions that PT can't help, um, but it's important that you find someone that can kind of guide you in that right direction. So uh, in the PT world, uh, some people can do a little extra vestibular training, and hopefully it doesn't have to be the same approach that we took today, but they should be doing some testing to say maybe this is the treatment that is best for you. Uh, I would be a little leery if you were getting like a cookie cutter approach to it. Um, I would say that's, you know, that's, that's probably not the best option. So just make sure you see someone who works with dizziness because not everyone has that specific skill set. Uh, second thing, uh, treatment should be, we didn't really touch on too much medication today, but, um, you know, I would not be doing anyone justice if, uh, if I didn't at least say it. Your treatment shouldn't be just meclizine or anivert alone. Um, it's a central nervous system depressant medication. It's not my job to talk about medication. I cannot prescribe medication. I can't tell you to take medication, to not take medication. But um, that treatment alone, you know, research has shown that it, it just tends to dull the sensation of dizziness. It does not fix dizziness. And it's actually not been shown to, you know, resolve vertigo. There is research out there. So if you're just, you know, popping a meclizine or an anavert, that's, it's the same thing. One's the generic and one's the, the brand name. Um, when you get dizzy, um, I encourage you to see someone that can maybe help you out with dizziness that gives you some more options outside of that one medication. Um, number three, there's many causes of dizziness. So it might take some time to figure out exactly what's going on. It might be really hard for you to even describe your dizziness, but that's okay. Just know that that's kind of par for the course and it's sort of an ongoing process. So I encourage you to kind of stay diligent with all that stuff and, you know, find someone that's right for you as far as helping you out. And then last thing, <clears throat> a lot of times, Patients sit down and they tell me they had no idea that PT could even help with their dizziness. So I'm assuming a lot of our listeners out here might share that same sentiment. So if you've been suffering with dizziness, vertigo, lightheadedness, you know, like I said, it's easy to know you're dizzy, but it's hard to describe it. And if you feel like you've had those symptoms for a while and you maybe tried a couple other things, but you never gave PT a shot or you never gave a vestibular trained PT a shot, I would highly encourage that you at least try to find one and, uh, and find, find, like talk to one. Um, so I would say as far as, and how to find them, I think that there's a, uh, there's, a, there's something called the Herdman course and there's a couple other vestibular, uh, certifications out there. And I think if you go to those, uh, specific websites, sometimes providers can register on there. Not everyone that has taken the course registers on there, but some providers will do that. And you can just kind of search in your area and see if a provider in your area, um, in the physical therapy world has like, you know, recognize themselves as taking that training. So if anyone needs a little reference there, I would suggest to try that. That's awesome, Craig. I think those are great key points for our listeners. And I think this podcast alone is going to make a huge difference for a lot of people because there's so many people who struggle with dizziness and vertigo. Um, and there's a lot of people who don't get the answers that they, you know, were hoping to get by seeing different types of providers. Uh, this stuff is pretty complex. And I wouldn't say that uh, providers who are skilled in vestibular are plentiful. I'd say that, you know, it is a specialty in our profession. So we don't all graduate with a 
high level of knowledge in this area. It's something that is honed, more education needs to take place, um, and it is very specialized. So that being said, thank you for tuning into the Straight Talk Physio podcast. If you like what you're hearing, it would mean the world to us if you subscribe to this podcast and the Peak Physiotherapy and Performance YouTube channel. For more information about us, please check us out on Facebook at Peak Physiotherapy and Performance and on Instagram at P3 Physiotherapy. More information about Craig, you can follow him at Dr. Craig G underscore PT on Twitter and Instagram. If you have any topic suggestions, comments, or questions, then feel free to email us at thestraighttalkphysiopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for watching, and we hope you have an awesome day.